This morning, uh, I'm just so pleased that uh, we can come together freely in this country and worship the Lord. Um, you know, when you look around what's happening in the world and, and really the persecution that's going on around the world, we have it easy in New Zealand. I know we have problems ourselves. If, you've got, if you live in family or you've got family, you're going to have more problems, you know, more issues. But really, we're really in God's own, aren't we, here in New Zealand? And uh, we do have issues and things, but I, just this morning I wanted to really just talk about, you know, the storms of life and victory in the storms of life. Uh, being a pastor, I, I get to hear of a lot of storms that people are going through. And sometimes you think somebody's really, really going through tough times. And then the next person who gets in touch with you, it's even worse, you know. And, it, and uh, another story trumps another story, you know, and it's just one thing after another. So I just really felt in my heart this morning just to give some simple keys to help us just get through those storms, to help us just focus uh, in some areas there. So this, uh, the storm clouds up there, I'm glad I don't live in that Texas belt up there where they, you know, they just go through and destroy communities uh, and they have to build again year after year. I'd never live in a caravan park up in the tornado belt, those caravan parts just get destroyed and uh, it really, my heart goes out to them. But just starting with um, some scripture verses, uh, right at the beginning of the book of James and the book of Peter, we see James saying, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And then Peter tells us, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith may be proved genuine. There's, a, there's actually a purpose in trials. I, I like it to be easy. I like it when I don't have trials. But that's very, very rare. Uh, but there's a purpose for them. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We really look at that scripture. He's saying, you're going to have trouble, but in me you can have peace. Because I've overcome the world. It's a, it's a very important verse. There are three aspects of that. If you see there, yes, trouble. We know we have trouble. Whether you're a Christian or not, you're going to have trouble. But in me you can have peace. So it's attainable. Because he's overcome the world. So it's tough news in a, in a sense. It's tough news to say we are going to have trouble. We're not going to escape it uh, by being a Christian. And I think everybody in the New Testament, at least in the New Testament, any of all the disciples, you know, Paul, others went through trials. And, you know, it's interesting that even the Paul, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, what does Jesus say about him at the very beginning of his ministry? If we look at here from Acts 9. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. He's, he's, he's been blinded, of course. He's, he's fallen off his horse or he's off his horse. 
And then he's going and he's... He doesn't really know what God is going to do in his life. And so right at the very beginning, God's telling Ananias, go and tell him he's going to have to suffer for my name. And often, when I start to think about it, we don't escape trials. So then how do we come through them in a, in a strong way? As painful as it may sound, God knows about our troubles, and he knows that we can turn them into positive rather than negative. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, trials don't come about just because of sin. Sin in our life can cause trials, but most of them, when you think about them, they, they didn't happen because we did something wrong at all. As we know, this world is full of trouble in one way or another. Physical problems, health problems, relation problems, job problems. Uh, the enemy is always sticking his ugly awe into whatever is going on in our life as well. He wants to cause division. Division from God, division from family and friends, division at work or school, and of course division in the church. He's always trying to bring division through the problems that we face. He offers us tools to help us with that. <coughs> Anger, bitterness, you know. Those sort of things, he's just offering them. If you could think of a, a stage scene, and you're on the stage, and the, on one wing there's the devil, and he's offering you this for your life. This is how you need to go do your life. These are the tools that you're going to need. And on the other side, you've got the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the angelic forces, and they are offering you the tools over there with the love, joy, peace, you know, kindness, faith. They're offering that. Neither of them are forcing them on us. They're just offering them to us. So then when something goes in wrong in our life and we decide, okay, we're going to take the devil's tools. Do we do that? We don't do it, but we do do it. You know, I'm going to get really angry. That, that person really upset me. I'm going to get back at them. I'm going to hold bitterness in my life. I'm going to get angry. You know what I mean? We can pick those tools up. Or we can look at the other side and say, Lord, I need some tools to help with this. But the thing is, when we choose those tools, something happens in the spiritual realm that I might have mentioned before. There's a spiritual realm. If the enemy is there wanting us to take the tools, and the, the spiritual forces on this side are wanting us to take that tools, who do we want fighting for us? So when we bow down and we take the devil's tools, all right, the poor angelic forces over this side are going to get beaten up a bit because we have chosen the devil's tools. I would rather that the angelic forces are beating up on the demonic forces, wouldn't you? But if we select those tools, then they can. Because if we're going to select the enemy's tools, then these guys have basically got to take a beating, in a sense. Because we have chosen that way, and God does not force us. So when trials and tribulation come, it's handy to know what God is offering us. We get to choose, in a sense. Remember, any, many, mighty, mo. We get to choose. So, 
How do we become strong in the face of adversity? I'm just going to put some things together here. Firstly, and it's very simple, as God puts it in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Now, we've got to know that God is God. We know that. But that we've got to stop. Listen. Take the time to acknowledge God as God and that He wants us to succeed. So we've got to acknowledge it. He wants us to succeed. We've got to have that in our heart. So these, these people in the wings here, all of them want us to succeed. This group over here don't want us to succeed. Be still and know that I am God. In fact, He wants to be part, God wants to be part of every area of our lives. He is happy to discuss any topic and He's more than willing to give us advice in fact, every single thing. Like Samuel, it says here, just to give you if, you, if you're reading Samuel, you'll see three ways that, that God spoke to Samuel. One night, Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark was. Then the Lord called, and we all know this story, Samuel, Samuel. And he, said, he answered, here I am. In fact, he went to Eli to start off with because he didn't recognize it was God. And Eli sent him back to bed and said, if he and then he called Samuel, Samuel again. And he went again, Eli, master. Uh, it wasn't me, go back to bed. But if he calls again, I say, Lord, here I am. But verse 10, it says, the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. He knew what to do in the second because the, the pastor or the priest had instructed him. So we see the first, he was just heard his voice. The second, Jesus appeared to him. But then in verse 21, something we often miss, it says, The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So he was teaching Samuel his word. So how did, he speaks to us, we'll hear him, his audible voice in our heart. He will appear to us at times. And also, he will reveal himself and the direction that we need to go through the Word of God. But we need to still ourselves to hear any one of those. It says in uh, Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So really, we've got to take what we read in the Scriptures and say, it's still the same today. That may We can't say that happened at Samuel and that happened to that. But it happens today because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will reveal himself to us if we want. He tells us, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So ask God for advice. A word that can strengthen you and help you through that. And it's in the dark, we need a torch. Amen? Because it's interesting when the Bible says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That it obviously, we don't often think, well, that's talking about darkness. We're in a dark place. But I like what it says in this version. By your words, I can see where I'm going. 
They throw a beam of light on my dark path. It's another translation. They show a beam of light on my dark path. And that's what I want. I want the Word of God. You know, I've told you, I don't know how often I tell these stories. So when I, but they come to mind when I was, you know, in and out of NE uh, last year. I think about seven times. In fact, one time I, I didn't turn up at church. I was, I was stuck in A&E, and I had to get another pastor to do the message. But the thing is that we were, Sally and I had planned a trip to go to uh, Israel, Egypt, and Jordan, and we were leading the trip. And uh, the, the Thursday, I dropped Sally Ann off at the airport, Auckland Airport there, and uh, she'd gone off to take a, a group on the Nile cruise first. There's two or three, three or four days to go on the Nile cruise, and then we were supposed to meet them in Cairo with the rest of the group and carry on. And yet I'm getting, going in and out of A&E, and I did not want to be in a hospital in a third-world country. I didn't want to... I didn't, bare-facing what it would be like in Egypt or in Jordan, you know, with this same issue with my, with my intestine blocked. So I was really crying out to God and saying, God, I, I really need your help here. You know, I'm, I'm really at a low point. And God gave me a verse, you know, and helped me through that process. But it was a matter of me, you know, just sitting down on the deck. I just sat there and I said, Lord, I need a verse from you. And he just said to me, read Ezekiel 37. Now, if you think about it, you, you're there. There's no way in the, in, in the world I am thinking Ezekiel, all right? I'm just saying to God, I'm crying out to him, I need a verse. I need to know whether I'm going to end up in hospital over there or whether I should go or not. And he said, read Ezekiel 37. And the first thought that came to me, isn't there 37 verses in, you know, in chapters in Ezekiel? I just couldn't remember at that point. But I went and got my Bible, and I opened it up, and I'm reading Ezekiel 37. And it says, this is how specific God can be. It says, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. And I felt that that was healing. I'm going to take you out of that sickbed and take you out of that. Then he says, I will bring you back to the land of Israel. How, do you, how more specific can you be than that? And when I think back about other examples, when I've just asked him for a verse for something that I've gone through or going through, he's that specific. So that case, that word, that was a light to my path. It, okay, said, this is where I'm going. So that was it. That morning, I just said, I'm going. That's it. I'm healed. It's finished. And I got out and went into the garden. And... Uh, Sally Ann wanted me to plant, I told another story about planting potatoes one time, I never got around to doing it. Somebody growled at me at the end of the service that I should do what my wife asks, but <laughs> I got out there and I did that potato, that potato patch for her, I just got busy, and then I went and I flew out on the Monday, that was the Saturday, I flew out on the Monday, and I haven't had any trouble since, nothing. So it's taking the Word of God and going through a trouble. And, and everybody in this room has troubles, and you have all different troubles, you know? But it's the point is to say, what's God saying to my path? I've got the trouble. I've got, the, I've got that heartache. I've got that problem, but he wants to do it with us. And how can I connect with him? We've got to still ourselves and know that he is God. There's a little verse in John. It says... Um, there was a certain royal official 
whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee, he went and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. There's the word of the Lord. But the next verse is something that I've highlighted and I grab now, something that we just skip by. And I want to slow it down. I want to say that the man, the man, just that bit, the man, that's Paul, that's you, the man, took Jesus at his word and departed. How valuable is that? We've got to come to that place where we still ourselves to hear the word and then, whether it be Mary, be Frank, you know, Irene, whoever, the man took Jesus at his word and got on. When it did the veggie patch, when and did whatever, got on with what the issue is because we took Jesus at his word. And I think of Hannah. Hannah had been praying for years and years and years for that baby. And the, the priest had thought she was drunk. But then when she put it to him, he said, it's, it's done, go home. And she took him at his word and went home and celebrated. And of course, she had a baby. There's a faith element in this. And that's when we're saying, God is God. I've stilled myself in the storm. God is God. He wants me to succeed. I've heard now his word, and we've got to come to hear that word, and then we get on. We get on with it. It doesn't mean that the problem is gone. It doesn't mean the problem is, is going to go in the short term. But we're doing it together. You know, sometimes I, I lie awake at night thinking about problems or thinking about difficulties. The youth use this hall every Friday. We don't have an issue, so we know that Friday fun night is going to be okay because we book the hall all Fridays and they let us know if the hall is not available to us. So last Friday they went to the pools. That's okay. But then when we changed it to be the afternoon, that was fine. We thought afternoon, school holidays would be good. We'll just change all the pamphlets, you know, we'll send all those out, all right? So the pamphlets had started going out to everybody, and the th somebody said to me, have we booked the afternoon on Friday? So then the mind goes over time. Here, the Tiahu is shut now. I'm lying, you know, it's at night time. I don't know whether we've booked the hall. I don't know if somebody else has booked it. What do you do if you've now sent all your pamphlets out to get everybody to come here and the hall's not booked? Somebody else has got it. So that was weighing on my mind. <laughs> Those sort of things weigh on your mind. I don't know if anybody else, does anybody lie awake thinking about things, trying to work things out? You know, stress. Stress is caused by unsolved problems. Stress is caused by things that we can't solve yet. But once we've got that pattern of how it can be solved, how we need to work through it, that's when the stress is relieved. You know, it's that build-up of stress. I can't do it. I was glad to see the email early in the morning to say the hall was fine. <laughs> I had a good day. You know, if we look at um, 
God getting us our attention at night. You know, there's some great verses here. You know, when you lie there and you still your voice, if we just look at slide 10 there, that these sort of verses come to me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The sound mind part about it is when you think it through, common sense, all right, that comes through. Okay, common sense says such and such. When you hear a loud noise outside at night, you know, and you don't want to get out of bed, and you start to think about it and says, oh, yeah, I remember leaning that up against the garage door. It's probably fallen over, you know, that sort of thing. Be anxious about nothing but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. These are the sort of things he gives me at night. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. And, of course, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He's trying to take me to a place where I can rest in him. Anybody else get things like that? Those verses that are just there, they're in you? I've said it before, but I've often thought that, you know, if like in China, if you were arrested for your faith and they took your Bible off you, they wouldn't, you know, they destroy it, and then they put you in prison, how many of the verses could you actually recite? How many could you bring to mind? But it's interesting that when you have an issue, God brings the ones that you need to mind, like they're stored in you, if you're reading your Word, and that's what we like about the, the soul food, right? I, I couldn't find it, but I, had a, I have this picture where somebody's looking in a barrel, you know, and you can just see their, their bottom and their legs sticking out, you know. They're looking for something. And if we don't have the word in us, how do we get it out? You know, you're scratching around the bottom of the barrel. But if you're reading the word regularly, those scriptures are in you, and they help. I like what you were saying about you listen to the, to the Bible, and that could be for somebody here that, you know, you could actually have it on your phone or that you could be listening to the Word of God, you know, why, while you're getting ready, while you're driving or whatever. It could, you could be listening to it and, and so that it's in you. You know, Jesus warned the Pharisees. He says, you are in error because you do not know the Scriptures or the power of God. The Message Bible says, you're off base on two counts. You don't know your Bibles, and you don't know how God works. And that's, he's having a go at the Pharisees for that. And I want to know what's in the Bible, and I want to know how God works. So write them down, claim them, feed them, make them part of you, because they're going to be life-changing for you. Okay, secondly, I'm going to move on. Choose your response. You've got to choose how we react to everything in life, good or bad. Our response is our own free choice and not dependent on our circumstances. We choose how we react to circumstances. And, and sometimes people blame other people for their behavior. Pastor Tark once did a, a sermon on the... Blaming others was quite interesting. We blame others for so much, and yet we're responsible for ourselves. You know, I've just had a thought now that um, we've got a mission offering, which we're going to do near the end, but I was going to do earlier, but we could, we'll do it at the end. We got the, and uh, Pastor Tark wanted to share um, just a little word with us. 
So I don't, I don't want to forget about that. But, you know, we can't blame others for what our own, for our own behavior. You know, the Australian, uh, sorry, the Austrian uh, physicist, uh, Viktor Frankl, survived three Nazi concentration camps. And in the midst of this, at the end of it, when he came out, he, he wrote his memoirs. But one of the things he said is, the experience of camp life show that man does have a choice of action. So even though everything else has been taken away, he's in violent circumstances, they still had a choice of some actions. And there are enough examples, often of heroic nature, which prove that apathy could be overcome, you know, and irritability suppressed. Man can preserve a trace of spiritual freedom, of independence of mind, even in such terrible conditions of psychic and physical stress. We who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken away from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And this challenges me. I looked this up. I wanted to find this because I've been told this before. Even in those dire circumstances, men and women had the choice of how they reacted to them. You know, like Victor, you may not have had any control over some of the things that you've been through, going through. You didn't choose to be abused as a child or adult. You didn't choose some of the things you have witnessed or wish you hadn't seen. You didn't choose that illness or life-changing injury. You didn't choose cancer. You didn't choose infertility. You didn't choose to have mental illness. You didn't choose where you were born or your parents or your intelligence or your inborn abilities. You didn't have any control over the death of that deeply loved relative or friend. But, and it's a big but, we do get to choose our response to these things. That is our choice. So I encourage you to choose God's response and God's thoughts on these issues. Going back to the Apostle Paul, there was a reason for it, and we're so thankful that he chose Christ in the right way. Thirdly, expand your connections. When hope starts to fade or difficulty mounts, there can be a natural tendency to withdraw. We want to isolate, to pull back. It's not that we need to press into community, but touching base with those who love us and care about us will make a huge difference. We can all say how marvelous it would have been you know, carrying or the birth of Jesus, Mary was given the job. But in her day, she was a teenager. She wasn't married. There was a stigma involved with that, and there was a huge responsibility. But as we see, the angel, uh, uh, slide 15, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible to God. 
Now, here's a thought that's been put into Mary. She hasn't been told to go and visit Elizabeth. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to town to the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. You know, the thought was there. God had put a thought about Elizabeth. Elizabeth understood what she was going through. So she went down to spend time with somebody that could help her through the difficulty of that time. It wasn't a cakewalk. It wasn't a piece of cake. So guidance, action. is that We get guidance from the Lord, and then it's up to us to take action, as Elizabeth did. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always a friend, and a relative, and relatives are born to share our troubles. Now, we could word that something different, couldn't we? A friend is always a friend, and relatives are born to share our troubles. Sometimes we think relatives cause our troubles, not necessarily share our troubles. But seek out good people. A problem shared is a problem halved. It's a good saying, but it's true. But seek out people you trust. I know this in a small town that we can get to hear about everybody else's business before they even get to hear about it, you know? Share with somebody you trust. Okay, fourthly, avoid thinking or expecting the worst. Avoid expecting the worst. This is where we take a simple event in our lives and take it to the worst possible outcome. You know, I have a headache. I must be going to have a brain tumor. My boss wants to see me. I'm going to get fired. You know what I mean? We take some simple event and we take it to the worst outcome. That is not faith. Elijah did the same. I mean, it's in the Bible. There's other examples. Elijah did the same. Jezebel, he heard, was going to kill him. He just killed, you know, 400 prophets of Baal. And then he hears the queen is wanting to kill him. And he goes off and he wants to die. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. It says, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. So it's there. They're real people. So where do these thoughts come from anyway? The father of lies. Don't let the enemy have a field day in your mind because he is a liar. It says in 2 Timothy, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind, as I mentioned before. Fear or fearsome thinking pushes God out of the equation, and it's meant to. That's the purpose of it. Fear is supposed to push God out of the equation. Fear is the tool of the enemy. The ability to still our mind and listen to reason allows God back in, and so allows us to think things through from his perspective. We may not know what the outcome will be, but I'm choosing to trust God He is my dad. He is my good shepherd. I know he wants the best for me. This is what we're saying. I know God wants the best for me. King David wrote, When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Your comfort is what we want when we're going through the trial. So we look at these four things there. 
Be still and know God is God. Choose your response, expand your connections, and avoid thinking or expecting the worst. And fifthly, it's a declaration. Declaring this pain, this agony, is not going to win. It is already stolen from me or attempting to, but I am on the winning side, I declare. And I thought it would just be good this morning is to declare some, some verses here because I think everybody in this room in some sense is going through some trouble, some more than others. There are some here this, that aren't here this morning because they're going through so many troubles. They can't even face church. But there are some verses here that I just want us to, to say out loud. Um, is declare them out loud for ourselves. Just have a, a quick read. And then we'll just, and then I've got a couple more. I've got four of them, but let's just say together. Okay, let's do it together. John 10, 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Anybody believe that? Amen. Okay, Romans, let's say it again. <coughs> Romans 8, 28 to 37. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. <coughs> God's, done the, God's done the conquering on the cross, and we live in him. And so he wants us to step into that inheritance and be more than conquerors. Okay, declaration part two. As you're going to get to know, this is my favorite verse, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. This sums up, actually, the New Testament. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Come on, guys. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right? I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then Psalm, let's go, Psalm 23, 4 to 5. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So in all these verses I've given you this morning, it doesn't see God coming down and rescuing us and taking us away. It sees God wanting to walk through with what we're going to go through. And we're not going to go through what the Apostle Paul went through. We're not going to be beaten, flogged. There's a list that lists what he went through. But he did it for Christ because there was a purpose and there was a reason. We can complain to God and say, why me, why me? But we can come out stronger, really, at the end if we hear his voice and we walk with him and allow that torch, that word, that he can speak audibly to us or through the word, allow that to take us through and we'll become stronger and more useful to other people. 
So the five things, if we just have the last slide there, 